0: Hello, welcome to the Do Lectures podcast with me, Gav Thompson. Welcome to episode two of season three, which is entitled dot, dot, dot. In this season, we go back and visit previous Do Lectures speakers and find out what is their dot, dot, dot. What happened next? What are they doing now? How has their story changed? Today, we are talking to C.J. Barry, who gave a Do Lecture back in 2015, about the charity she set up in her son's name, Sal's Shoes, which to date has helped two and a half million children, frankly, with a better life. So sit back, relax, grab a coffee, put your feet up and listen to CJ Barry's dot, dot, dot. Welcome to the Do Lectures dot 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 podcast. CJ Barry.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Very good to have you here, CJ. I have seen your Do Lecture from 2015. It's a really, really inspiring story about how you sell up a charity, sell shoes, which since 2015 has gone on to be massive. And I think last time I looked, you'd supplied over two and a half million pairs of shoes to kids around the world who needed them more than the the kid that had outgrown them. So why don't we kind of just go right back to the beginning and tell us the story of Sal's shoes, how it came about, tell us how it happened.
1: So our son, Sal, laziest boy child, didn't walk till he was almost two. Nonetheless, once he had started walking, I dutifully went off to a children's shoe shop, as is ingrained in parents of young kids, to have his feet properly measured was pretty horrified, actually, at the cost of his first few pairs of shoes. But, you know, I bought them and then bought him, you know, he needed another pair in case one pair got wet, and then he was a page boy at my brother's wedding, so he had a pair for that. And very quickly, I had accumulated a bag full of these first few pairs of shoes that had been outgrown, and they still had so much wear left in them. And I don't really know, to be honest, why I didn't just give them to a friend or stick them in the loft or keep them aside for a future sibling. But I think it was probably the initial cost of the shoes. And so I looked into how I could donate them and contacted some charities. There are charities and charity shops that you can donate children's shoes to. But what concerned me when I did was that none of them could tell me where his shoes would end up or where they would find their new owners. And I think charities, especially small charities, need to be accountable. I wanted to be reassured that having donated these shoes that I'd already paid for that another child would be able to wear them and get them for free and because I couldn't find another organization that could do that I literally just contacted a friend of a friend she was working in Zambia where I had gone to primary school my dad's a civil engineer so we traveled quite a lot as kids and she was volunteering on a children's cancer ward at a hospital and I literally just sent her a message saying I've got this bag full of shoes would they be of use to the kids you're working with and she replied absolutely most of the kids have no shoes or indeed if they do they're very well worn and I went off to the post office sent her you know a bag for one lot of shoes and to be honest thought no more about it good deed done for the year gave myself a pat on the back until a few weeks later she happened to send me some photos of the new owners of Sal's shoes. And she said, CJ, I can't tell you how much these shoes meant. I've attached some photos. And one of the images she sent was a little boy wearing Sal's very first pair of shoes. And they had now become his first pair of shoes.
0: That lovely little insight, you've got a bag of shoes, you've got a friend who works in a hospital in Zambia, you send them to her... And then you get that thing back. Because I guess, had you not got the photo back, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. It's that seeing the impact that something that one could have put in the drawer, could have thrown away, could have just given to charity shop, to see how a little pair of shoes has made a huge difference to some kid's life is amazing, isn't it?
1: That's really interesting, actually, what you've just said, had I not received those images, because I've never actually thought about that. And no, one, no one's ever asked me about that. Seeing the image, you know, I've got no qualms about admitting that charity can be selfish. Doing good feels good. And it was seeing my son's pair of shoes on their new owner that made me feel good about what I'd done. And more importantly, made me want to do more.
0: And I guess one of the interesting things that I wasn't aware of, but I got from your do lectures is about the relationship between wearing shoes and going to school. Why don't you just explain that to our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I wasn't actually aware of it when I started the charity, but most countries around the world, as in the UK, have a state-run education system, which is free to access, but school uniform is mandatory, which means if you can't afford a pair of school shoes, you cannot go to school. Which is so nuts. It's nuts.
0: Again, just to reflect on that, like education is such a basic human right, really.
1: And not just that, but, you know, there's a direct correlation between education and poverty. Um, Education can be a way out of poverty. And in a lot of the countries we work with, we need these children educated.
0: Let's go back to you sent the, the shoes to Zambia, your friend sent back some images. And then what happened?
1: And then I think, which is probably why we now find ourselves where we are today, I am my target donor audience. I am the mum who is fortunate enough to be able to afford shoes for their children. And seeing that photo, I knew it would have an impact on my friends, many of them also parents to young kids and social media for all its flaws when harnessed for good can be pretty astounding. I literally just posted that image on my personal Facebook page saying something like, south shoes have become another's and the next day had about 50 messages from my friends saying oh my goodness we have tons of kids shoes or what organization was this through or are you going to send some more or how do we do this and so I thought okay I shall collect some more shoes (laughs) and I'll send off another consignment which again went to Zambia because I knew the country well and I'd grown up there this time to a rural area and again Not expecting to I received images of the new owners of the shoes and this time when I posted them on my Facebook page I tagged all my friends which meant all of their friends saw the images and the following day I then had 150 messages from complete strangers asking about the concept and how they could jump on board and to be honest that was that was the seed sown. I um, popped my head into the room where my husband was working and said, I think I need to do something with this shoes thing. What are you going to call it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Sell shoes. <laughs> and that was it.
0: <laughs> Done.
1: Done.
0: You managed to hustle your way through to getting the logo, to getting lots of stuff sent out, to getting lots of packaging. Hustle, hustle. Tell us about your hustling, CJ.
1: Hustling. This is what I believe. I believe the vast majority of us want to do good. Inherently, we're good people. I think all of us have something to offer, whether that is time or money or resources or expertise or a listening ear. I also think the more direct you are when you ask someone for help, the more likely they are, if it's within their capacity to say yes. And I'm very aware of my limitations. I've got no problem in asking for help. I sent a load of emails and messages and made phone calls. So to Grant, who's a friend who's a graphic designer, and within 24 hours, we had our logo. To Simon, who's my um, IT geek friend, which meant by the end of the week, we had a website and a Facebook page and Instagram page and a Twitter account and email accounts. Spoke to the bank manager, had a charity account set up. I just utilised. I think everyone in my circle's expertise. There must have
0: been a point early on where you go, this is a lovely problem to have, but you've created this kind of problem for yourself because you've there's loads of shoes arriving. All those shoes are sent with love and goodwill and ambition for the shoes. But then you have to package them up, maybe clean some of them, pay for them to get there. You've got to distribute them. So suddenly you've collected all this goodwill and all this sentiment, but you now have to deliver on that, people's hopes and dreams for their kids' shoes, and that costs money, and that's quite intensive, and that's quite... I imagine suddenly you're jumping through lots of red tape about import, export, I don't know. Tell us, it's a really good idea, but quite quickly, the idea is done, it's parked, it's amazing. Now you're in the spider's web of delivery, yeah?
1: We grew, I think, in comparison to where we are now, maybe relatively slowly. So in the first year, we collected just under 5,000 pairs of shoes, and I think we distributed them in eight countries. So they were relatively small consignments. But again, I just called in favours. I'm fortunate and very lucky to have lots of lovely friends in my life. You know, we could chat and catch up while sorting and packing shoes at the same time. So they became South Shoes Volunteers. And we initially started working with organisations that I knew of or friends knew of. And now, in fact, we're increasingly contacted by organisations having heard about us. So we've grown quite organically, but the demand, in fact, now it's never been higher, but there's always been the demand there.
0: On the receiving end?
1: On the receiving end, absolutely. Feet and shoes are protected feet. They are feet protected from injury and infection and in areas of low sanitation, therefore the spread of infection. So there is a huge need for footwear. That's everywhere, including here in the UK. I was always very keen that we work in the UK as well. I'm very well aware there's kids in the town where I live who go to school hungry every day. UK child poverty's on the rise, it's never been higher. And the demand is everywhere, including where we are. So since the start of lockdown one, we've actually now distributed over 25,000 pairs of South shoes just in this country.
0: Yeah, you scaled it from initially a bag of shoes to two and a half million and rising. Tell us about that kind of journey from being, a started off as a lovely idea and a kind of goodwill gesture, and it's now, you know, you're a serious operation. So it's kind of interested to hear about that journey. You know, you personally, you know, like you said, you popped your head around the door to your husband. You're like, oh, I think this is going to be a thing now, to now, you know, you're an operation. Tell us about how that's been for you.
1: I think one of the brilliant things I didn't intentionally set it up. I think one of the positives about that is if you don't intentionally do something, you don't have a master plan, which means things can't really go wrong because they're not going against anything you had planned for it. And I think that's probably worked in my favour because we've just rolled with whatever's happened. We've been really, really lucky. It just, it turns out I wasn't the only one who didn't know what to do with their kids shoes. So when I started the charity, the day we were official and we launched, I approached three places to collect children's shoes. That was Sal's nursery school at the time, a primary school where a friend was a teacher and a soft play kids cafe where another friend was the manager. And since that day, which was just over seven and a half years ago now, we've never actually had to ask anyone to donate their shoes it's been just word of mouth and social media, Toe to Toe, which is our school shoes initiative. It's a concept I actually borrowed from South Africa, where it's long been practice in certain more privileged areas that when kids finish secondary school, they sit their final end of year exams and as they leave the exam hall, they take off their school shoes and they put them on their desks and those shoes are then gathered up given to less privileged children in the hope that the following year they can go to school and gain an education and leave with a qualification. And a few years ago, I figured, you know, not all, but most kids in the UK start school in September. It's a sort of rite of passage. You get a new lunchbox and a new pencil case and a new pair of school shoes. But all those school shoes aren't outworn at the end of the summer term in the previous academic year. So we piloted a scheme. We called it toe to toe with a local school who would sort of been long term supporters of ours. And that first summer, we collected 300 pairs of school shoes. We had sent a letter home to the parents saying, if your kids are likely to outgrow them and they're going to be replaced in September, leave them behind on the last day of the summer term. And these kids were amazing. And what they actually chose to do between themselves was leave school barefoot, which from a really crude PR point of view meant, you know, we had images of children's legs and feet here in the UK walking you know across tarmac with no shoes on their feet and we posted those photos on the South Shoes Facebook page saying this is what happened if you want to jump on board next year drop us an email and that post went on without us paying to advertise it went on to be shared over 88,000 times and the following year over 650 schools across the UK contacted us. That was head teachers saying we want to roll out this initiative. In the second year, we collected over one hundred and seventy-five thousand pairs of school shoes during the summer.
0: I'm sitting here going, I love the idea. It's a genius idea, and I love the, all the sentiment at the front end. How do you a cost a lot of money to ship shoes around the world and distribute them? You know, you want to raise money, you want to raise funds for the all the logistics and back end. How's that been for you?
1: Tough. I think as a small charity, our only real limitation is financial. And what we do is ask donors of South Shoes to also donate a pound a pair. So at the end of the day, what we're doing is effectively just, you know, reusing and recycling shoes, pre-loved shoes. So it needs to be cost effective. So we work on the basis of a pound a pair to in those shoes, whether it's East London or East Africa. Obviously, the more shoes we send and the larger consignments, the more reasonably priced it is. But what that does allow is for us to send smaller consignments to perhaps more hard to reach areas where it might cost a little bit more.
0: You must have some amazing stories of literally like a pair of shoes that have impacted somebody's life in a kind of amazing way. Just share one of them with us now.
1: I've got so many stories. I think... What's been really lovely is some of the smaller organisations we work with in Africa. I've had emails from actually a few of the founders, you know, born and raised in the communities where we've distributed, saying that as kids, they received a pair of pre-loved shoes and they can still remember the impact that had on them as adults now. And now, you know, they're sort of running organisations and giving back to their communities and we're able to send them shoes.
0: Shoes feel, again, they feel they should be kind of right, not a privilege, like everyone should have shoes, right?
1: We just take them for granted. Well, I certainly took them for granted. You know, my kids had started walking and they needed shoes. Um, And the reason we do that is to protect their feet. Boys and girls playing football, if they're playing football barefoot, they're more likely to be injured, which means they're more likely to not be able to attend school, which means they're not receiving an education. So the importance of shoes... know we've recently started working with a coastal school in the UK here so they initially we have a school shoes fund which we launched last year it's a way of people donating money in the UK that we use our contacts to buy brand new school shoes so we're now working with schools and charities and baby banks and domestic violence refugees here in the UK and providing new school shoes and new PE trainers And Coastal School had contacted us and and we're providing them with school shoes. But they also then asked if we had beach shoes because like my own kid's school has a forest school. So they go off into the woods and do bushcraft and all these sorts of things. But this school utilizes their surrounding area. And so they have beach school, but it's an incredibly impoverished community. And she said, you know, these parents can barely afford school shoes, let alone an alternative pair. So on beach school days these school shoes that they can barely afford are now being worn on the beach and wrecked, would we be able to provide beach shoes as well? And we receive thousands of them. So the school now has a supply of beach shoes so that when they have beach school days, the kids who don't have an alternative pair to their school shoes can go and borrow a pair.
0: I do think from looking at your website, you've pivoted a little bit along the way. At some point that you sent pictures with shoes and or toys, am I right on that one?
1: We've done a few, we stick to shoes, but we are now in the very privileged position of being offered all sorts of things free to a good home. You know, people and companies and retailers and manufacturers are all thankfully becoming more, you know, maybe environmentally aware and instead of landfilling items, they're trying to find good homes for them. We tend to stick to shoes, but occasionally... I mean the good thing is given all the grassroots smaller charities and organisations we work with whilst we often decline anything other than shoes the positive is more often than not we know another organisation to pass them on to but occasionally we make exceptions or do something slightly different so this was years ago actually just before my do lectures talk there'd been two horrific earthquakes in Nepal and so working with a local school, the kids here in the UK didn't just donate a pair of shoes and write a note, but they also donated a small soft toy to children who had lost everything. We got an email from a company in the UK, a toy company here in the UK, who was expanding to America, but there was already a company in America with their brand name. So he'd had to rebrand. And he had a warehouse full of toys for naught to two-year-olds, baby toys that he needed to get rid of for new stock. And I think, you know, presumably they were just going to be landfilled if we didn't take them. So we took them, but what it then meant for months, actually, because there were so many, was that when we sent out consignments of shoes, we could send out consignments of baby toys so that all those kids who weren't yet walking wouldn't get a pair of shoes received a toy instead. We've got a little sideline called Clemmie's Clothes, Sal, our son, obviously has Sal's shoes, and then we have a little Clementine whose older brother has a charity. <laughs> so occasionally we put out call-outs for Clemmie's Clothes, which is fancy dress for generally two to eight-year-olds. I think every girl and boy around the world wants to be Cinderella or Spider-Man at some point. We're working with an organisation we support in Ghana, and they sent us some photos of the kids the day Clemmie's Clothes had arrived. and. She said, I know some of the outfits look too small, but it's because all the boys wanted to be Spider-Man or Superman and they weren't interested in any of the others. (laughs) So they squeezed themselves into (laughs) Spider-Man.
0: So predictable. (laughs) So Sal, his name is on the charity. Sal has a claim to fame. I think he's the youngest ever guest at the Do Lectures. He was there when he was 10 days old, right? He was. He was. Tell us about Sal now. How has he grown up knowing that his name is is attached to two and a half million pairs of shoes?
1: I think he's really proud. Obviously, when he was younger, we sort of had to convince him when you know the charity was based in our house and garage that all these boxes and packages arriving labelled Sal shoes weren't all for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he couldn't get his yeah. pick of the best, the best of it? the bunch. <laughs>
1: um, no, I think he's really proud, and our kids know all about the charity and the work I do and they come to the warehouse and perhaps dragged sometimes unwillingly to the warehouse during school holidays and half term and I think one of the reasons we have managed to achieve as a charity what we have actually is because we are so child friendly we teach our kids as soon as they can walk and talk that sharing is caring
0: love that honestly CJ I love that literally my daughter she knows two things Right, she's three and a half, but she has two little mantras. One is what we call the golden rule, which is be nice to people and they'll be nice to you. And the second is sharing is caring. And it's there was a beautiful moment last weekend we, we went to see some friends and the kid's a bit younger. He's like two and a half, she's three and a half. You know, like little kids do. You know, they he had his toys and she was trying to kind of borrow them. And every time she went to pick up a toy, he'd run over and grab it. And she'd just look at him and go, sharing is caring. With,
1: with that snidey smirk <laughs> on her face. Yeah. With
0: that snidey, as when you're a year older, you can do that. You, you know, and no parent's going to disagree. So we're all nodding, yes, poor little Sam. He gave up way more of his toys up there than he should have done. But yeah, no, showing his care is a lovely message, isn't it?
1: It is. And I think our concept allows for kids to see that in practice, especially, you know, it's not conditional of our distributions, but we sort of work to try and get images and footage. Because I think when it's the whole do good, feel good, you know, children recognise their shoes on the feet of a peer who, in all likelihood, they've never got a chance of meeting and learn about the impact they've had on their life. You know, I I always sort of think about charity donation, you know, sort of money boxes. So when Clemmy, our daughter, was little, literally as soon as she could sort of walk and reach the till, you know, I'd be paying for the shopping and she'd be asking for change to drop into these charity boxes. And I would always very nobly say you know it's for it's for the lifeboats or cardiac arrest or the stroke association and I, you know i'd be trying to explain what we were putting money into that pot for but she had never once asked of her own accord whereas i think with Sal's shoes it makes perfect sense to kids their shoes don't fit anymore so why not give them to a child who doesn't have a pair
0: one question i have to ask because given this is the dot 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 from the do lectures how did given a do lecture help or change things
1: it was my first public talk I think probably since university days in front of a a lecture hall so I didn't I think like sleep or eat properly for about three days before and then spent much of that morning probably sat on a do lectures toilet somewhere you know my heart was pounding in my chest and it was bizarre I can remember people in front of me and I could see their mouths moving so I knew they were talking to me but because my heart was beating so loudly, I couldn't actually hear a word they were saying. <laughs> and then bizarrely, I actually, I got up on, you know, the sort of do lecture stage and then it transpired. I loved hearing the sound of my own voice because I couldn't actually get it off.
0: You overran the, the yeah. 20 minute I th- I time think, quite I think quite well, as well as you? that... What did you end up at?
1: I think about 34 minutes.
0: <laughs> 34 <laughs> She's not bad I for think, 20 minutes. I think our family
1: probably hold <laughs> hold two records. Sal's the youngest ever attendee, and I think I've probably given the longest.
0: <laughs> I just I just can we end on on you, actually, CJ. Just you have unintentionally started a, a charity, a movement, and it's amazing. And it will continue to be amazing. It will continue to get bigger. On a personal level, what are your what's the future like look like for you?
1: I am realistic enough to believe that in my lifetime there will always be children who can't afford a pair of shoes and there will also always be shoes that are being outgrown before they're outworn. so we will just keep doing what we're doing
0: it's amazing i did a do lecture in 2012 my sort of gist of it was what will you tell your kids which is you know we spend our lives just doing stuff doing business trying to make money trying to have a job quote-unquote And what I was trying to do, talk about, you know, nine years ago was, you know, just make sure that whatever you do, there's an angle on it that you can tell your kids, you know, you can be proud of and you've done something that has left the world in a slightly better place than you found it. I think with you, you've nailed that one. A, your son's name is what you do. And B, you have impacted two and a half million kids' lives, not just people's lives, kids' lives, in a way that's not even a transient. You're not just giving them something, you know, shoes will last, you know, months and years and they hand them down. And, you know, that's a massive impact on them, the community, their lives, their ability to go to school. It's kind of unbelievable.
1: You know, you're talking about the impact of a pair of donated shoes on the recipient of those shoes. I also think, and I don't think it's given enough recognition, the impact of giving on the donor. So I think two and a half million children have received a pair of sales shoes and in fact it's much more than that because those shoes are being worn until there's nowhere left in them. But that also means two and a half million children have donated a pair of shoes, which has made a positive impact on the life of someone else.
0: It's a gift keeps on giving, right?
1: We need to be kind to each other. Let's let's just encourage our younger generation to to give and, and make a positive impact on someone else.
0: CJ, honestly, I'm a massive fan. I love it. I love the idea. I love the power of the gift. I think the shoes are, you know, we don't really think about them because for 99% of us, they're just shoes, right? They just, we stick them on and we've all got way too many pairs. I'm sure most of our listeners will be nodding at the, both the idea and how they want to get involved. How can people get involved?
1: We have a website, southshoes.com. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. The website will tell you how to donate shoes to us. So we accept pretty much every single type of shoe you can think of, school shoes, canvas shoes, sandals, ballet shoes, snow boots, football boots. We collect them in all sorts of sizes, every size, so long as the larger adult sizes are still practical and child appropriate. You know, we work with homeless shelters and soup kitchens, um, so larger sized shoes will still find new owners and we ask them to be rubber banded in pairs having had a quick clean donated alongside a pound which pays for the journey. And there's other ways you can help us you know monetary donations and volunteering and you can come visit us and you can help spread the word.
0: Well we'll be doing all of those things. CJ Barry, thank you very much indeed.
1: Thanks, Gaby, take care.
0: Thank you so much for listening. What an amazing woman. I found her truly inspirational. And it's a bloody good idea as well. Please don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can email me at gab at the do And in the meantime, stay safe, be happy out there. And please do tune in again in a fortnight for episode three of dot, dot, dot. This show was produced by George McDonough. The music's by James Morton.
1: Thank you for listening.